You're listening to the Business with Purpose podcast with your host, Molly Stillman of stillbeingmolly.com. This podcast takes you behind the scenes with some of the world's most generous entrepreneurs, from the CEOs of mission-driven brands to directors of small community nonprofits and everything in between. Molly is sitting down with men and women who believe in changing the world not only through their personal lives, but also their professional careers. And now, here's Molly. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Business with Purpose podcast. If this is your first time listening to the show, welcome. We have nearly 50 episodes in the archives that you can listen to with so many amazing entrepreneurs, nonprofit directors, CEOs, speakers, authors, photographers, you name it. We have so many guests that will inspire you and encourage you to just do good right where you are in your career and in your personal life. And if you are a regular listener of the show, thank you so much for your support and for listening week in and week out. It truly means the world to me. I have a favor to ask. Would you guys mind sharing the show with a friend today? You can use the hashtag Business with Purpose podcast on Instagram or Facebook. You can tag me at Still Being Molly on any social network. And I would love to see how you're sharing the show with those that you love that you think would also love and be inspired by this show and just all the amazing people that are on it. I take no credit for how awesome these guests are. Truly, they inspire me to be a better person, a better mom, a better wife, and a better entrepreneur. Also, if you have a moment, would you head on over to iTunes and leave a review? I read every single one and they truly, truly mean the world to me. And they also help grow the show and they give me feedback and they let me know what you guys are liking, what you'd like to see, if there's any guests that you'd like me to have on. It really helps so much. I'd love to read this review from Aubrey Caton. And it says, yes to this podcast. I'm totally loving this podcast on all things fair trade and ethical. Each episode is funny, inspiring, and thought-provoking. I learned about brands I didn't even know existed. Molly is a fantastic host and shares great conversations she has with her guests. I love it. Aubrey, thank you so much for your review. It, Like I said, these really, I, I, this is not me just saying this. They really do mean the world to me and they encourage me so much in what I'm doing. Now, on to this week's episode. My guest this week is Myra Shaw. Myra is a maven. She's a speaker. She's an encourager. She really helps women entrepreneurs and so many people just find their passion, find their purpose, and and really dig deep right where they are. We talked about everything from what it means to be a corpreneur. So if you've never heard that term, we get into that today. We talk about being gentle on ourselves. We talk about how we can encourage ourselves and, and be proud of ourselves and the work that we're doing right where we are. And we also talk about what it looks like to find balance and how to say no. That's something that I've been working on this year. So anyway, I know you're gonna absolutely love this conversation with Myra and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, Myra, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure to be here with you today. I am so looking forward to our conversation. I It's one of those things where I don't know how I, I came across you on the, the internets, <laughs> but I one day I just sort of ended up in one of those like rabbit holes of the internet. And I remember, right. coming, I remember coming across your profile and I immediately was like, this girl is amazing. <laughs> like I, she's the type of person that I, we need to be friends. <laughs> Thank you. Pleasure. Yeah. And I am just I cannot wait to just hear your story and really hear how you got into all that you do and um, being a maven and just really helping 
you know, women and entrepreneurs and so many people just live such an intentional and purposeful life uh, and doing what they, you know, what they're called to do. Um, I just think what the message that you bring is is so positive and so encouraging. And I know it's going to be one that's going to bless so many people. So before we get into all of that and all that you do, I would love if you would give us the Myra 101. So tell us your story and how you got started and, uh, you know, what what are the things that led you to where you are today? Okay. So my background is um, I'm, I live here in Houston, Texas. And so the oil and gas world has been my, my background for 27 years. I have a lot um, of friends that live there and their yes. families all work in that industry. Yes. It's, you know, if you know Houston, it's oil and gas. Yeah. And, and so the last 15 years of my career, I was a natural gas trader, which I was one of the nation's few female African-American traders in that particular commodity mm-hmm. um, of natural gas. And so um, about two and a half years ago, you know, when oil turned down, then I got the the lucky slip that says, we think you're it. We think your name's going to be drawn to be to be laid off. Mm. And so I had been doing my business already. So I was what I call a corpreneur. Mm-hmm. I was a corporate professional and an entrepreneur mm-hmm. for four years. Yeah. So when I got this notice about this potential layoff, you know, of course, I went through the stages of I call it pissed off to grief to belief. Yeah. But, it, you know, it was it was I, it was clear. It was my fork in the road. Mm-hmm. This was where I was supposed to be. And so this month made two and a half years since I've been doing um, my business full time as a full time entrepreneur. Wow. And yeah, it's it's been I tell you, two and a half years have been a blur. No doubt. It's mm-hmm. gone really fast. But I will say it has been some tough work, but not work that I would trade for anything in the world. Mm-hmm. This is me doing what I was born to deliver. And there, I, can't, I cannot imagine anything in the world that could be better than doing this. I, I, and I enjoyed my career. So it's not like I was like, oh, my God, I'm so glad to leave this place. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed that. But although the last three years of my career, I was completely bored. I just was going through the motions. And I think I needed to get to that stage so that when I'm talking to other uh, women who are at that stage, I go, that's the sign. Yeah. That's when it's time to start asking the question a lot. Why am I here? Mm-hmm. What What is it really about? It can't just be about um, going to college and then getting a great job and then having a family, you know, all those things that we're told right. we're supposed to do. Right. It, it has to be more than that. And so doing this full time for two and a half years, I tell you, I don't know how many years of corporate I would have to bundle up to <laughs> equal the amount of true joy and fulfillment that I felt over these last two and a half years. So yeah. it's it's been, it, it was my time. And um, I'm grateful, really grateful for the opportunity that I get to really, um, I, I call it move women from stuck to execution mm-hmm. to help them figure out what they were born to do as well. Cause we, we were all born with a purpose and the yes. world needs what we have. Yes. That's just how it goes. Yes. Yes. Now a quick question for those that maybe yes. don't know, and, and maybe this is me, uh, <laughs> what is a natural gas trader? What is that? What do you, what does that do? What do you do? What do you do? Okay. So, um, this is how I, I break it down in, in really good terms. So when you're at home, and you flip your light switch and the lights come on. Mm-hmm. So I was selling the natural gas to the power plant so that they generated power 
to put on the electricity grid so that when you turn your light on or keep your refrigerator running or turn mm. your AC on, you have power to do that. So in a nutshell, I sold the natural gas, which is the fuel that runs the power plant. The power plant supplies the cities, which is where we all live. Oh, yeah, okay. So you're like... Right? It, you know, in the world, you know, it, it sounds really complex and, you know, obviously the job is a lot more than that. But <laughs> yeah. when, I, when I'm making it just very everyday applicable, um, I sold the fuel to power plants so that they could generate power so that you could run your AC and your air conditioner and your yeah. refrigerator and your lights and all that good stuff. Oh, yeah. Okay. So it's yeah. a, a very necessary thing. <laughs> very necessary. Yeah, very necessary. <laughs> so when you were, you know, you, you'd you mentioned that, you know, you started to kind of get the feeling like you were, you know, not really feeling like you were being fulfilled. And then you, mm-hmm. you got the sense that you mm-hmm. a layoff might be coming. Right. Where did you feel that? Sh- how did you really know what that shift was going to look like for you and and you know, for those that maybe don't know what you do today, mm-hmm. what is mm-hmm. it that you do now? And, you know, how did you feel that shift kind of leading you to that direction? Um, I, I didn't really feel the shift. The shift happened. Yeah. So I, yeah. I get told, okay, you're, you're going to be laid off. And, you know, after I go through these other phases of, of mad and how dare they, I was a good performer, you know, all that crazy stuff that happens. Yeah. Um, you know, I, when I really started to give, to give it thought, um, and really just slow down a bit and go, okay, so where am I really in my life? And how I kind of started my business was I just started doing networking events for women, um, like happy hour events. Yeah. I, I had no business in mind, none. I, you know, I thought I'd keep trading until they kick me out much later, like <laughs> retirement age. And then I go lay on the beach. I yeah. don't know. That was my theory. And um, so I started these networking events for women. And it was simply just me being a connector. Yeah. Um, because I would have friends on the left that had a need and friends on the right that had a resource. And I'm like, oh, you guys come. I'm going to introduce you and y'all go about your way and do whatever you need to do. Yeah. That was really how it started. And then women started asking for more. Well, when are you going to do another one? And we heard you talking about this. Can you share that information with the whole group? And it just kept evolving and from the networking happy hours to networking, I call them workshops after work, to me doing full conferences. And so really the maven part of my business and, and a maven is someone who shares her knowledge with others. Yeah. And so we, we really all are mavens in our own way. Right. But my way is to really help women discover and breathe life and to the reason that they were born, because yeah. I love to say that everyone's not waiting for Maven Myra. Someone's waiting for you. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so, you you know, it's not just my job to, to deliver. It's your job as well. And then for those women that are entrepreneurs, um, I developed actually just this year. It's a business incubator and we help women elevate and accelerate their growth so that they are not remaining in hobby mode. You know, if you mm. want to have a hobby, that's beautiful. But a lot of women have have desires that they really want to create a profitable business. And so all of the spinning the wheels and trying to figure it out in a silo and making mistake after mistake, um, we've I've assembled a team of other female coaches and we really help women plow through um, a lot of the foundational work so that you get you get going, you accelerate your growth yeah. so that you can create profit and 
build businesses that not only um, allow us to be a solopreneur, but we, we can grow businesses that we're also employing other people. Right. Yeah. So, so that's my, my big passion and really just being a motivator and encourager and a thought leader around women being able to have a balanced rhythm in yes. their life. Yes. A balanced rhythm. Like we can, we can be amazing and we don't have to do it, um, you know, running around like crazy people. Like mm-hmm. we don't have to do that. And so that has become my just, uh, you know, positive soapbox of we can do this and we don't have to be crazy people doing it. Like it can be done well. Yes. I. It's so funny you say that because this is a conversation I feel like I'm having so often with so many women these days because mm-hmm. I, I have, I feel like I've seen this big shift in the last couple of years where five years ago, even, you know, even a couple, you know, three, four years ago, there was mm-hmm. this sense that in order to be successful, mm-hmm. you had to be a mom and a wife and work and you had to hustle and you had to Mm -hmm. do all these things and you had to have the good car and the good house and you had to Mm -hmm. do all the things you had to give back to your church and you had to volunteer Mm -hmm. and you have to just say yes to everything. Exactly. And it was burning people out. And now I'm seeing this shift of the opposite of people yeah. saying no to the to the wrong things so they can say mm-hmm. yes to the right things and and to have that you can be a working mom you can be a stay at home mom and you can mm-hmm. be a work from home mom you can be right. married and not have kids you can run this business you can work for somebody else you can do all these things right. and you don't have to kill yourself and run yourself ragged in, in order to be successful mm-hmm. where did you see that shift happening or, and, and how have you encouraged women to find that balance? What does that look like? Yeah. So I think the shift started happening as a huge result of us being so socially connected, Mm. but not connected for real. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like you're posting and you're tweeting and you're tagging and it's like, Oh my God. But but where's the real connectivity yes. that people have? And I think we were losing that at such a fast pace. And and I think we people started come to their senses like, well, wait, this this doesn't even feel right. This this doesn't feed my soul. This does not make me feel like I've accomplished anything mm-hmm. because I've posted on Facebook three times today and I've done my blog and I've been, okay, you've put out a lot of content, but how are you feeling from the inside? Because we can only be as great and amazing as we can be from the inside out. It is not an outward in type of journey. You know, it just doesn't work that way. And, and so I think that was what started the shift. And I, for me, it really, one of the things that I talk to clients all the time is using your no guilt free. Mm, yes. Because, you know, as women, we, we can, if we can muster up a no, you know, I, I say we're stretching on the couch two days feeling bad about it. It's like, listen, and the balance rhythm is really created more out of setting the right boundaries for you. That's why I always put the word balance rhythm, because just as a song has a rhythm, it's fast and it's slow and it's up tempo. That's how your life is. Every day is not going to be sunshine and roses and it's amazing. Some days are valid days. 
There are moments that don't feel good, that you have to stretch, you have to grow. That's still part of your balance rhythm. Mm. And the boundaries that we can learn to set of, you know, one of the things that I try to be very intentional about is what time do I get off electronic devices at the end of the day? Mm. You know, what time, how much time am I giving myself in the morning for quiet time and prayer time and all of that? Those are some things that I've set as boundaries that I can't compromise on because I know how much it affects the rest of my day. If I skip my quiet time or my prayer time in the morning, it just it's like I'm on a roller coaster all day trying to catch up. What am I trying to catch up to? I don't know. But it it just feels like I'm supposed to be going fast. But I don't know why. Yes. And then the the electronic devices for me, um, because I do work from home, if I don't set a stop time and, and get off, you know, when it comes time for me to go to bed, my brain is still in fifth gear and it's telling me all of the amazing things I can do and I forgot to do and I should create and develop. And like, when does when do we let ourselves off the hook to just rest, to mm-hmm. just be? Yeah. And I have to stop at a certain time so that my brain can start downshifting for the day so that when it's time for me to go to bed, my brain is in sync with that. And it also wants to rest because yeah. it does me no good for my body to be physically tired, but my brain is still you know, going, going like we can do more, we can do more. And I think, you know, previous years, society unspokenly told women that we have to be going from the time we get up until we fall apart at night and crash. Yeah. And that is the success life. And, you know, if I feel like I have to shout it from the rooftops for the rest of my life, That is not accurate. We do not have to live that way. And we have to define our own success. Mm. That's why I tell women the balance rhythm is unique to you. Your rhythm might not be the same as my rhythm. And that is okay. No one says that it has to look the same. But we have to be willing to stand in our own power and say, this is what it looks like for me. And this is what I'm going to work on. And that's it. And be okay with it. And be okay with it. Yes. I that is such a great point because women in, I mean, it's in our innate nature to compare ourselves Mm -hmm. and we look at Mm -hmm. what everyone else is doing and we see what everyone else is doing and we think that they have it all together. They're more successful and we just try to emulate what they, you know, the, Mm -hmm. the, the very vague they are doing. Yes. And I have a Maven quote that says, find your lane and stay in it. Yes. And, and, And that just means do your thing. You know, I say that all the bright, shiny objects that are outside of your lane, those are distractions. Yes. Those are distractions. And and it is your job to stay focused on what you are supposed to do in your lane. Um, and again, I think some of that comes from the, the, the amazing world of social media. Mm-hmm. You know, you see someone's highlight reel. You, you mm. don't see how much work it took for them to get to that highlight moment. Right. And so you just see the highlight and think, well, I want that. And then when you, you just try to replicate that and you don't get it, um, you know, I, I've t- women are surrendering their dream because they don't feel like they can match up to someone else when, when that's not what your journey is about. Right. It is not about that. It's about doing what you were born to do and giving it your absolute best. I call it delivering with excellence because we don't talk about perfection because it's not attainable. Right. But we can deliver excellence, which is delivering our very best with what we have, where we are. Yes. We can all do that. And and that that is what brings us joy. That is where we find our own balance rhythm. And we feel like we are enough 
in our own lane to be the amazing women that we are. Right. Right. You know, that reminds me of a, um, and I think I've told this story on this podcast before. So if you're listening and you've heard me say this before, forgive me. <laughs> but if you're new, <laughs> if you're new, if you're a new listener, then this is brand new to you. But right. I, I, I don't know if you have listened to um, the Making Oprah podcast, but Mm-mm. it is, oh my gosh, y'all. It, I'm writing it down. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. But it, it's a short – well, they had like three main episodes and then they had some follow-up episodes. But it was basically all about how they made Oprah essentially or how mm-hmm. Oprah made herself. But mm-hmm. one of the things that was fascinating because I – I'm a I'm a diehard Oprah fan. Like from mm-hmm. like I remember growing up, you know, getting out of school and like coming home and watching Oprah. Like that was right. that was my thing. And um I so I was fascinated to learn that one of the things that made Oprah so unique and so successful, um, other than just all of her unique qualities mm-hmm. and her unique attributes, but when she was, because you know, she obviously really started to just take the daytime talk show by storm, you know, format mm-hmm. by storm, and then you had all these other talk shows popping up. So you had Ricky right. Lake, and you had, you know, Jerry Springer. You know, you had all these talk right. shows popping up, and in a lot of ways, trying to compete. Even though you know Jerry Springer, completely different, but you know, you had all right. these talk shows that are trying to compete with Oprah. One of the things that Oprah mandated of herself and her staff is no one that worked for Oprah or Harpo could ever watch another daytime talk show. She forbade it. And she said, the reason why is she said, don't look at what they're doing. We need to Mm. focus on our race because the jockey that turns around loses the race. Absolutely. And the jockey that looks over your shoulder loses the race. Mm -hmm. And so just keep looking ahead. Let we will do what we are called to do and don't look at what everybody else is doing. And I just thought that was so fascinating because even then in a time when social media didn't exist, when Oprah really was super popular, Mm -hmm. she knew that it could be really easy to fall into that game of comparison. And and that made her stand apart because she Mm -hmm. nobody ever could touch her. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, I, it's a, I think it's for us at in our society, it has to become a learned behavior. Right. Uh, one of my most favorite words is intentional. And mm, you have to be yeah. very intentional about not allowing that to overtake you mm-hmm. because it is so easy. You know, it, it, it really is easy. And for for people that potentially lack confidence in the abilities that they have. You know, the the comparison thing is like the the easiest thing to do. Right. Well, I can't do it because I'm not as great as this person or I'm not as sparkly as that person. But, you know, everyone that needs something doesn't want the sparkle. Right. They want, you know, if yours is something else, they want what you have. Right. But if but if you can never believe in yourself, if you can never stop. Um, the, I call it the, the mental comparison chart in your head, yeah. then you, you don't ever get to the point where thinking you are enough and that your awesomeness is really enough. Mm-hmm. It really is. And it, it, you know, everyone, I just posted on Facebook today that everyone is not for me and I am not for everyone. Mm-hmm. And when people can accept that and be okay with it, I'm not here on earth to touch and reach Every single woman on the planet. Right. There's plenty of other women that do amazing work. They're here to touch some of those women that wouldn't receive my message. Someone else can reach them. Yeah. We have to each be okay, again, with the lane that we were created 
to walk in. Yes. Be okay with that one. Do you think that this is something that gets easier with age? Because I have found, and this is something, obviously, I mean, I still struggle with it. We all struggle mm-hmm. with it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But it's funny, as I've gotten more into, as my dad says, who's 73, my dad like always is like, you're well into your 30s, Molly. And I'm like, okay. but <laughs> Thanks, I, Dad. I'm like, thanks, Dad. I mean, I, which, but it's funny because I actually, I I don't know why, what it was about my 30s when I was in my 20s. I was like terrified of my 30s. And now that I'm in my 30s, I'm like, man, my 30s are awesome. Like I am all about the 30s. Like give me more 30s. And the the older I get and the more that I fall into being more comfortable in my skin, more comfortable in what I do, I am less likely to worry about what other people are doing. And I'm less likely to compare myself to others. And so I, I, I don't know if it's just that it gets easier with age. Well, I think the older we get, we, um, my mom used to say, you come into your own, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, you start putting more thought into really, really asking the questions. What am I here to do? Right. And so I think the older you get, and you know, I think we, as we get older, we look back on our previous years and we see <laughs> yeah. that that just doesn't really serve us well, yeah. you know, like it, it really, we spend so much time, 20s and 30s, really worried about what other people think about us and mm-hmm. how to please everybody and how to keep it everybody happy and keep it all together. And then I think the older we get, I say for me, I think my pe- my patience has gotten less in that area. <laughs> That's how I say. You just don't have time for it. Yeah, you, know, you just kind of like you know what? It really is not that big of a deal mm. what someone else thinks. You know, and we, you're right. We all have moments where we do go, oh, oh man, I don't, I don't know if that person's gonna like that. We, you, the thought does. It is something we always have to process and handle. But I do think it gets easier. I don't think it ever goes away. Right. But I think it definitely gets easier the older we get because, you know, when life is a great teacher. Yeah. And when you you can look back and see that all of the worry and anxiety that we had about certain things, you know, it was nothing. It really was nothing. We were all up in arms about nothing. Yeah. Then if you can use that lesson for your future and go, you know what? I don't even need to be worried about that because it really turns into nothing. It really is not that important. So I do, I definitely think that age um, plays a factor. And then I just think that life as its great teacher really helps us um, get it, get better. You know, as we get older, I think that's one of the things we, we should be getting better. We should be improving on some stuff. And I think that's one of them. Oh, I completely agree. What is one of the things that you, I mean, I know that, a big, a big motivator for you and a big part of what you, you share. And, you know, when you do your speaking and, and coaching and all that kind of stuff, a big part of what you share is, is that intentionality and that, and that work-life balance and, and mm-hmm. showing women, you know, that they can be who they were called to be right where they are. What is your advice, especially cause you are, you know, you're a wife and a mother and mm-hmm. what do you, what is your advice to women who feel like they can't find that balance or that they struggle with really being intentional because they feel stretched thin. Like I have two young, young kids Uh and I work from home and I'm exhausted, Like you know, but I, I feel like I'm getting better, but there still are days where I just go, 
I don't know that I can do this. I don't know right. that I can do it all. Like, what what do you say to women and, and what's been your experience? Yeah, a couple things. Um, it is a journey. It's a process. I still have days where, you know, I say, you know, I conquered my balance rhythm and other days it conquered me. Mm. And, you know, you're going to have those days. The biggest thing that I say to women, I was just doing a talk um, here locally for the Harris County, um, some women last week. And I said, be gentle with yourself. Don't, you know, we get like a a new thing. Oh, balance rhythm. That's the thing. I got to get it tomorrow. No, (laughs) it's (laughs) it's not going (laughs) to slow down. It's it's not going to happen that way. And so that's why I always say to women, be gentle with yourself. This is a journey. This is a process. And we've we've been in a rhythm for a really long time. By the time you start to kind of, you know, come to the sense of, you know, I can have more balance in my life. It's up to me. You've been living a a much different rhythm for a very long time. Mm -hmm. You don't just snap fingers and all of that goes away. I describe it like you're in a a manual speed car. And you're in fifth gear. You're wanting to downshift to fourth. The car wants to stay in fifth. That's the rhythm that it knows. And so you know how you can very easily downshift? No, you're jerking on the shift. You are grinding the gear to get that thing because that's what it requires sometimes. And I think that's why so much of our society don't feel like they live in a balanced rhythm is because it requires work. It requires intention. It requires you to set some very clear boundaries on what you're going to accept in your life and what you're not. And then, you know, things like, okay, when I get up in the mornings, I'm going to take 15 minutes of just quiet time for myself. People are like, well, oh my God, when I get up, I got to get my kids. Okay. Well, that means you got to get up 15 minutes earlier. Like the 24 hours are the 24 hours. We can't make adjustments on that. Right. But, but what you do in that time frame is, is the most impact that you can have. But I think the biggest piece of advice that I give women that, that call me in distress, like, Oh my God, I, I just don't think I can do it. Is be gentle with yourself. Mm. It, it like, this isn't going to happen overnight. You know, it, it took me a while. And, and really for me, as my kids, our kids, my husband and I have a blended family of four. Our youngest is 21 now. So we have a whole different balance rhythm going on. But yeah. <laughs> um, when, when they were smaller, you know, it, it, it was a different rhythm that I had. Yeah. And just for not not feeling that you are required to do everything that they, again, whoever they are, has said you have to do. If you are a full-time mom and you have a full-time job, you know, who says that your house has to be spotless every day? Mm. Who says that you have to do X, Y, and Z? Who says that the clothes can't be in the laundry basket? Who said all of that? Yeah. And we all the pressure that we feel, oftentimes it has come from statements and standards that were created by people that don't do a fourth of what working mothers do. Right. You know, you can, it's very easy to write that, oh, you should do this and it should be this. You know, the, the, the Joan Cleaver days don't really exist very much anymore. There's yeah. very few women who who are stay home wives and don't work either their own business or running people around or doing volunteer work or working at their church. Something there's very few percent of our population that simply stay home and kind of get to chill out every day. Right. And so I think part of it is the pressure of feeling like you have to do every single thing 
on this mental list um, that sometimes things are on the list and you don't even know why they're there. When you talk to women who are are in that beginning phase of mm-hmm. figuring that out, of figuring out what that looks like, of finding that balance rhythm and finding that um, that that space to breathe. Mm-hmm. What are your what would be like your pieces of advice or sort of those tangible things that you would say to somebody who is learning how to say no? Like, how do you teach mm-hmm. somebody to, how do they learn how to say no? What's, what do you say? Like, what are those first? Cause it's always like, you know, the, I don't know where this ever came from, but like, how do you eat an elephant? Like one bite at a time. So <laughs> right, like, right, why, right. why that analogy is out there? I don't know or whatever. Right. But cause who's eating an elephant? Right. right? Who's, yeah. <laughs> who's eating an elephant? I don't know. But you know, or how do you climb Mount Everest one step at a time? Right. What are, what are those first steps? What are those first bites that somebody who maybe feels overwhelmed, mm-hmm. what do you say to them to, to just get started? Um, the first thing that I say is know that you have the right to use your no. Mm. You have permission to do that. No one said that you're required to give a yes to everyone. And this is what I remind um, women of is when we're using our our yes when we're not supposed to, So we're saying yes to someone and we shouldn't. Mm. What we're really doing is saying no to ourselves. Yeah. Because, again, there's only so much time in a day. And if you imagine your 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 life as a pie and there's at least a fourth of that pie you're supposed to keep for yourself for self-care. But you gave up your piece of pie. You said yes to someone. And so that gave up that fourth. Then you have nothing left for yourself. Yeah. And we cannot be our best selves without taking care of ourselves. Yeah. Like it just can't happen. Yeah. So so that's the first thing is to know that you have permission and the right to use your no. The second thing I say is practice your no. Because what I discovered is, is saying no really is a challenge for some people. It is. Like I didn't really understand that mentally. Like I did not initially get that. Like I'm like, well, just say no. And, and like that really is a thing like they like physically feel bad yeah. for saying no. And so I tell them to practice saying no, practice at home. And if you have to say no, no, as we might say in Texas, no, <laughs> um, you know, if it's that doesn't fit my calendar or can I think about that? Whatever it is that you need to do to give yourself some space to get to your no that's what you need to do. And then the last thing that I, I give women this tip all the time because it was given to me. And if, if someone's asking you something, you know, for me as a speaker, you know, says, oh, hey, we're having this event. You know, are, are you free July 12th? Can you can you come and do it? This is my canned answer. Instead of just saying, because I'm going to be more apt to say no right. than yes. But I say, OK, can you send me that email, that information on email? so that I can look at it and make sure that it fits what I need to do. Mm. So I'm not giving you a no or a yes at the moment, but I want to honestly see if it's in alignment with what I'm supposed to do. Every request that comes to me is not mine to fulfill. Yeah. And we have to, again, be okay with that. You're not required to take care of every one, every request that comes at you. Sometimes, 
it's not for you. It's for someone else. And so I will say, if you can email me that request, then I can take a look at it to see if it's in alignment with what I need to do. So if I have to say no, you know, yes, you're getting a no, but you heard me say keyword alignment. So I'm not telling you that the thing you're trying to do is bad. Right. I'm just saying it doesn't work for me. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that is such a great piece of advice. And I am totally going to use that. (laughs) Yes. Because it it gives you space. Yes. If if, if saying no is hard for you, figure out by practicing it in front of your mirror, what feels comfortable for you to fill that space with instead of yes. Yeah. What do you need to say to give yourself some space so that if if you just simply need to think about it, maybe you still say yes because it, it, it does fit. But you didn't feel all this pressure that you have to say yes. You want to use your yes in a ways that uplifts you and uplifts the other person. It's a win-win. Every yes you give out should not be depleting you of all of the things that bring you joy and only lifting up the person on the other side. That's when you know you're using your yes too much. Yeah. I know this about myself and I've always been like this. Like I'm a people pleaser. I mm-hmm. am, mm-hmm. I'm very self-aware. I know that I just want people to like me. I don't want right. people to be disappointed in me. Like I want, you know, I get like genuinely upset if I'm like, why does that person not like me? Like why? <laughs> I'm really nice. Like, yes. I don't know. It's, it's a, it really is a thing. It's it hard. really is. And so I've learned this is this has been a challenge for me, and this has been something mm-hmm. that I have had to get better at, and I'm working on it, and I'm not great at it yet, but I'm getting there. And and, and I think 2017, I I always do the word of the year where I pick up the word of the year for myself, yes. and it's uh-huh. funny because 2016 was intentional. That was my um in my my word for 2016, and this year is very purposeful. Um, okay, but. My my behind the scenes word for 2017 has been no, and yeah, practicing that and learning how mm-hmm. to say no and learning how to get better at that. And yes, this is I mean this is something that is hard for me, and I know that. And so yeah, you know. But I think I think coming to a place of learning that like <laughs> we are more uh, obsessed with ourselves. <laughs> then other people are obsessed with us. <laughs> if that makes sense. Like people don't actually yeah. care that much about us. People they don't. You know, I was I was telling this to a client um a couple months ago. She was all concerned that when she would get off from work, she was she was wanting to work out on a regular basis. She wasn't working out because she said when she comes home from work, um she felt bad that she was having to leave her two kids. And I said, Well, well where are you leaving then? And she said, Well they're at home with their dad. I said, the one, like the father? <laughs> and, and she said, she said, yes. And I said, so when you stay home and your husband's there and your kids are there, what are your kids doing? She said, oh, they're in their room playing. I said, listen, your kids are not going to miss you for 45 minutes. They're not. Mm-hmm. You're putting pressure on yourself about something that's not even real. Like most of our fear is imagined. Yes. Most of our fear is imagined. And just observe your home the time that you would get home your kids are playing in their room if you went and worked out and got your cardio in for 45 minutes and came back they may not even know that you left the house like (laughs) you're putting you know again it's that thing of us feeling like we gotta do everything and it has to be just right and it you know we're gonna let somebody down 
no, if you left home and went to work out and never came back, you let your kids down. Right. But you went to work out and come back and then you prepare dinner for them. I think they'd be, they'd be fine. Right. And as soon as I said that to her, she laughed so hard. Like I thought she was just going to (laughs) cry, but it was so funny for her to just hear me say that in that way. Like, wait, they're home with their dad, their father. (laughs) Right. And they're in their rooms playing and you're, I'm sorry. And when she heard me say it that way, she's like, oh, my God. I said, right. You imagined a fear that's not real. Right. It's like they're not worried. Right. It's OK. Go work out. You're you're serving them better by going to work out to make you a healthier, happier mom. Yeah. So when you come back to take care of them, you're you're even better. Right. Like that's you. You have permission to go and do that. Yeah. And it was just her here. Having someone else say it that literally opened the door. For yeah, her that's sometimes all, all that we need. It. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Because when, you know, when she was saying it, initially I thought, like, you know, some it was something, I don't know, I was thinking it was something much more drastic. And to me that wasn't drastic. But for her, from what she had created, the story, as Brene Brown says, the story she created in her head. Yeah was this was monumental. This was huge. This was going to be a deal breaker. And I said, your kids probably won't even know you're gone. It's yeah. okay. Go work out. Then come back. Then cook. Everything's fine. Yeah. And she, she just like, you know, when you do a gut laugh yeah. so hard, like I cannot believe I was down that rabbit hole. And I said, it's okay. You know, we've, we've all done that. We've all had to have someone in our life tap us on the shoulder and go, Hey, Come back. Come yeah. back to the surface. Hey. You're, I don't know where you're going. Yeah, focus here. Focus here. <laughs> focus. Yeah. It's so funny. It's that It's that mom guilt. It's the yes. I mean, because, like, let's be honest. If the tables yes. were turned and her husband wanted to go work out for 45 minutes at the end of the day, mm-hmm. he would mm-hmm. feel zero guilt zero. for leaving we, it's, his yes, children home with their mother. Thing we do to ourselves. <laughs> yes. And, again, it's self-imposed because it our spouses aren't even saying, well, you really shouldn't be gone to go get your cardio in in the evenings. Like I, you should really like the spouses, like they're not even putting that type of pressure on us. Right. It's all the things we do to ourselves as women that I call it. We, we create these limiting factors. Mm. We're going to keep, I'm going to keep the lid on this box and not go work out because I'm going to feel better. I'm going to feel guilty at some point. Cause you know, I'm, I'm not healthy like I want, but, but I think this is what, I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Listen, remove the limitation and create the balanced rhythm that works for you and your family. Yeah. Period. Yeah. And and find out, watch how much joy, watch just how much joy you have that just overtakes you in your life. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. it's funny because I have definitely done the same thing. And again, it's, it comes from that place of I'm the people pleaser and, you know, I, I I mean, I, I stay at home with my kids, but I also, I mean, I, I work full time, but I work full time Mm -hmm. from home and, you know, and obviously my, my husband works full time and, uh, and, you know, a lot of times what I, when I have to go maybe do a speaking engagement or if I teach a class or something, it's usually at night or after, after work hours. And Mm -hmm. it's funny because I, and then there are times where I have to like do my work at night 
when my husband's home because if I have to go somewhere and there are times where like I used to feel really guilty about it and I'd be like Mm -hmm. well I'm leaving it and I'm like wait a second he's their father he is also their parent and he works and I work like we that's what that's what parenting together is about like but yeah it was all this self-imposed pressure and I remember when the first time I had this conversation with my husband about this he looked at me he was like really like you really feel guilty about this like like, yeah it's all the stuff going on in our heads when you know no one's in that head but us because Mm -hmm. you know when we when we say that out loud even you're like right that that totally makes no sense like like why am I even putting that type of pressure or feeling that type of guilt and um I often so there's there's an exercise that I get clients to do it's called a brain dump and because women, we're so amazing at multitasking, we, we actually do it way too much. But mm-hmm. we always have these task lists in our head. Just, yep. you know, I call this, do that, pick up this from the store, all these things. And so what happens and, and how I identified this in myself was when I would go to bed, as I said earlier, my brain was still going. It was trying to remember all of the things that I told it that I wanted to do. Yeah. And for, for me to 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 get my brain to slow down so that I could rest and it could rest, I would do this brain dump. And it really is just writing everything, every thought that comes to mind about things you need to do, just making a list of it, basically dumping it out of your head onto paper. Yeah. And I don't advise people to type it. I really advise you to write it because we connect better when we write versus typing. Agree. And then you go back through and you just read them. Now you're going to find some things on that mental to-do list that you dumped you don't even know why they're on the list anymore. <laughs> like, I'm like, why is that even, why am I even thinking about that? I don't even want to do that anymore. I don't need to do it, but because you never removed it from your mental list, your brain doesn't know. It's still trying mm-hmm. to remind you because when you logged it on your brain, you said, this is very important. So your brain's job is to remind us of things that we've told it through emotion is important. Right. Right. And so you look at this list, you're like, I don't even want, I don't even need to do that anymore. So you start marking those things off that don't serve you anymore. You don't even need them. Then the things that are left, you go back and prioritize them. So putting a one beside what's most important. What do I need to do most immediately? And then you work on that one. What happens is we, I call it, we leave all the tabs open in our brain. So we have 10 things on our mental list. We have 10 tabs open in our brain. And so we give 10% to each of those things mm. to get to 100. So what have we accomplished? Absolutely nothing. Right. And so then you go to bed and you're feeling bad because you've got these things on this list that you haven't finished because you tried to do 10 at one time and you couldn't. So each day you keep over and over. And that's why you so often hear women say, I'm so exhausted. Yeah. A lot of it's mental exhaustion, not yeah. even physical, but the mental exhaustion it wears you out as well. And so I say to women, if you will just work on the top one or two, get that done. Then what happens in your brain is you've gained more confidence is, ah, see, Mm -hmm. I knew we could do that. Mm -hmm. If you don't do it, you keep all these 10 tabs open. Your brain starts to tell you your self-confidence starts to go, see, I knew we couldn't do it. We couldn't get it all done. You haven't done it for months. You've had that on your list for a year. You still haven't done it. You're never going to do it. 
But if you can mark out the things that no longer serve you and then prioritize the things that are left and get those done, just step at a time. Let yourself breathe and say, I don't have to work on all 10 of these at once. Yeah. It's okay for me to work on just the top two. When I get those done, then I can move to three and four. And and sometimes you'll have to reprioritize and shuffle things around, but you're getting something completed versus 10 tabs open, only giving 10% to each, and nothing's ever completed. It just does not do good things for our psyche. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. There's just so much gold there that I just am like, oh, yes, that like things that I just I've been feeling or I've had conversations with other women like it just this is such a common thread between women that Absolutely. is so it's just so interesting and it's mm-hmm. so interesting. And and it's funny because when I have these conversations with my husband, he's always like, y'all are weird. Like <laughs> he's like, men, we don't do this. They do not. They do not. They do not. And they They do do not not. wait. You know how women have the big thing of waiting for permission, waiting for affirmation. Men do not consider that. No. If it's something they need to do, they're off to the races. Yeah. They're like, you know, um, there's a story told that there's, you know, room full of people and, and, you know, someone from the stage said, who has the cure for cancer? And a man raises his hand and it says, okay, we're going to give you the funding and, and, you know, you, you can have it and give us the cure. And someone asked him later, well, do you have the cure for cancer? He says, no, but I'll figure that out later. Yeah, exactly. Oh, one would never do that. We're like, I don't have it. I got to figure it out first. I got to make it all pretty. I got to get it in pink. I got to get it nicely aligned. Yeah. It has to all be, you know, it has to all be showmanship, right? Then yeah. I can raise my hand and say, okay, yeah. I have it. Mm. But but men don't wait for all that. They're like, yeah, I'll, yeah, you need me to do that? Okay, I'll figure it out later. I'll yeah. figure it out. Tell me the task and then I'll figure it out. We torture ourselves really we like it it has to be just right you know is this person gonna like it is this person gonna like it i don't want to upset this person we go through all of these things yeah but and, and then we then we miss we miss out on some amazing things that are just for us because we're stuck in our heads right um one of my business coaches would would say um if in your head you're dead mm. in your head you're dead because like you got, there's too much noise going on in there yeah. for you to sometimes come out with a, with a, with a solution or an answer that makes any sense. Yep. So get out of your head and, and take the action. Um, that's why my motto is moving women from stuck to execution Yeah. because the stuck comes from the overthinking, the overanalyzing, the needing to please everyone, all of these things that do not serve us. Yeah. We're, we're constantly either battling with them or we, we're surrendering to them way too often. Yes. And then we don't get to live in our, our very best life, our abundant life that we're supposed to have. We, we don't get to live that out because we're stuck in our head way too much. Oh, yes. You know, and it's funny you said that like men will just raise their hand and they'll figure it out Mm -hmm. later. Like they're just going to get some duct tape and WD-40 and they're like, absolutely, whatever, duct tape and and WD-40. There's your solution right there. It was in the garage. Yeah, it was in the garage. (laughs) And we're like, it's ugly. And they're like, you didn't, you wanted a solution. You didn't say pretty. You wanted a solution. You know, they're very practical. Exactly. (laughs) Now I want to touch on briefly something that you said really at the beginning that I, Uh I, um, I loved because this is something that I, I want to emphasize on this show as well. Um, so, you mm-hmm. know, I, we I've had this conversation with a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of people in general and a lot of business owners that I, I want to be careful to never 
over glorify the entrepreneur's lifestyle. I think yeah. everybody is called to do certain things. And mm-hmm. I, I'm an entrepreneur. I think entrepreneurship is amazing. I think it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. I think it's beautiful. But I think sometimes we get in a, in a, in a place of over glorifying it. And we forget right. that there are some people that are not called to be entrepreneurs. Absolutely. They are not Absolutely. called to own their own business. They're called to work mm-hmm. for somebody else. And as entrepreneurs, yep. we should encourage that because guess what? We're probably going to have to hire somebody at some point. Hey, absolutely. And and if, if you're not called to be an entrepreneur, do not do it. Right, yes. <laughs> it requires everything of you, yes. everything. And if, if, it's, if it's not something coming from your core, you will surrender. Right. You, because it's tough enough for us that it really is what we're called to do to not surrender on some days. Right. Some days I'm calling my support folks and going, look, I don't know, maybe I need to go back and doctor up my resume. This is too much. Yeah. Listen, this is hard work. Mm. It is hard work. And, you know, I say, say to people that true enough, everyone is not designed to be an entrepreneur. Right. That is perfectly fine. I don't want women that are supposed to be corporate leaders to feel like they're not good enough because they're not an entrepreneur. And I don't want people to feel like they're an entrepreneurs to feel like they're not going to be as fulfilled if they're not in the corporate space. Right. We were each born with a purpose right. already assigned to us. We are already really equipped to deliver it. We have to do some work to develop our skill sets and develop what we're what we need to do. I say we're often having to excavate some things that we no longer need yeah. and plant some things that we do need. All of those things require work. Mm. But but yeah, I'm with you 100 percent. Yeah, I there love- is no need to glorify yeah. the entrepreneur life. There's yeah. plenty of joy and fulfillment that comes with it. But listen, that that is after you have done a lot of a lot of not just physical work, but a lot of soul work. Yeah. And because I, there is no way to deliver it without yeah. it. Yeah. You use that term corpreneur. Yes. Which I loved that because I've never heard that before. Yes. And I, I, because I, it, I mean, and I don't, I would love for you to tell me your definition, but it's funny because I think in my head, the definition I hear is like, you know, the position that you're in, whether it be in corporate America or working for somebody else or just in a small business and you're an employee like really taking that position on and owning it. That's sort of Absolutely. what I picture. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, for me, it's I, so for me, I was a full-time corporate employee mm-hmm. and I also ran my business. So yeah. I was doing both. Oh, okay. So I was doing both. But also I know that that prepared me for the fork in my journey, yeah. journey when I was told, okay, we think your job is going to go away. I didn't see, I didn't know it at the time, but those four years of me doing that now, was that easy? You know, did I really want to work, um, you know, eight, nine hour day at work, come home, do family stuff and then get on my laptop for, you know, two to four hours. No, I mean, I didn't just sign up for that, but that was where my passion was. That's how I was growing, um, what I was doing. And little did I know that that was the preparation phase for me to be prepared to go full time in my business. Yeah. That was a much different story for me and a much different reaction when my manager called me and said, you know, I think in and I was I found out I was going to get laid off. I was there for another nine months. So mm. that's a whole other story. But um, <laughs> that was that was a much different story for me because I had prepared for something. I didn't know that's how it was going to unfold. 
but I had done the preparation work yeah. versus saying you're potentially going to lose your job and you have nothing. You, 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 you have no idea what you're going to go and do after that. Because for me as a trader, oil and gas turned down. It's not like other companies were hiring traders. Yeah. So, you know what I'm saying? It's not like I could just, oh, well, let me just doctor up my resume and go find another job. Even that wasn't really on the table at the time. It, it just really wasn't. And so each each of our paths prepares us, even when we don't know it. Oh, yes. It's preparing us yes. for where we need to be. It, 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 it really, it's amazing when you look back, you know, Again, life's with its big lessons, when we can look backwards and go, wow, all of those things that I was so annoyed doing and exhausted on some days doing really was preparing me for this, for the space that I'm in right now. Yeah. It really was. And that is the part that that's where we gain. That's where we have to have confidence. I'm a believer. So that's where my confidence and my faith comes in that. Me too. Although I might not see. Right at this moment, what God is up to with this little seemingly crazy plan he has going on, mm -hmm. and why he's, I feel like detouring me into something else, but it all works out. Like it, it really, really does work out. If we can just keep, um, I have a quote that says you are CPR, that's you are capable, prepared and ready for your very next step. Mm. The very next one. One of the things we, we often do as women, uh, another thing we're at step four and we're freaking out about step 30. Yeah. You're like, well, I'm like, but what step are you on? Are you at 29? Right. No, I'm at step four. Oh, okay. Well, you can stop that and you can just do step five. Right. When it comes time for step 30, step 29, I promise you will have prepared you. Yeah. And yeah. I think a lot of that comes from that place of that comparison and seeing where other Absolutely. people are. And so we see like we think we need to be where they are, but we forget that like maybe we're two years in and they're 10 years in. Absolutely. Yeah. We said you know? overnight success takes at least 10 years. Right. At least. <laughs> at, at least. least 10 years. At yeah. least. Yes. And, and you know, and you you look at so many of these women that are, you know, in our minds successful. And yes, they're mm -hmm. successful by their standards or God's standards, you know, whatever standards you've, mm -hmm. you've put on them, they're successful, but you don't know what they went through to get there. You don't know Absolutely. the hard days. You don't know the failures. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I was listening to a podcast the other day with um, Richard Branson, the creator uh -huh. of, of, uh, of Virgin. And right. it was so interesting hearing him talk about the failures along the way and the businesses that Absolutely. failed and failed big and yeah. and but all we see is oh he's a billionaire and he owns right. you know an airline and mm -hmm. a bank and all these things yeah. 200 some businesses under the virgin name but we don't hear about, like he told this story like I didn't even know this but apparently back in the 90s he tried to go up against Coke and Pepsi and he created Virgin Cola oh Oh, yeah. I mean, nobody knows about it because it was a huge failure. <laughs> yeah, he's flop. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, but it was just so interesting to hear that of just like somebody who is in our mind a success because they're a billionaire and their name is everywhere. Mm -hmm. But then we don't realize that like, oh, he had some pretty major failures along the way. And instead right. of giving up altogether and quitting altogether, he said, well, there was, he's like, he's British. He's like, there was more lesson, you know, and like, right. and like, <laughs> 
and he just picks up and he moves on and he just continues. And, yeah. And that is where, um, you know, I, I, I believe that success requires persistence. Right. Because yes. you're not going to nail it out of the gate. Mm-hmm. It, it, it is not going to happen. No matter what illusion you think you see on social media, yep. someone saying they, they're amazing. And, you know, how can you gain six figure clients overnight? Foolishness. All of it. Foolishness. Mm-hmm. Because you have to be persistent. Um, in January, I host an annual conference and the, the women, the female panelists that I assembled, we were talking about um, success strategies. But my instructions to them was to talk about the valley experiences. Talk about the failures. Yes, we can we can all celebrate the good stuff. That's easy. But what what does a woman need when she's trying to get her business off the ground and she fails yep. or she doesn't have enough immediate funding? What did you do in your situation when you were in that same predicament? Mm-hmm. What did you do? You failed three times. You did. Tell us about that part. That's what I want them to hear. Yeah. Um, because I, 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 I want women to always know that, yes, this is fulfilling work. It brings me joy. But it is tough work. And you you have to you are the captain of the ship and the decisions have to come from you, whether they be good or whether they be bad. They're yours and they are yours to live with. And sometimes you're going to get it wrong. And that is to be expected. And the thing that keeps the persistency going, there's always a lesson in our in our failures, always a lesson. So if you can get the lesson it is the, the catalyst that makes you CPR, capable, prepared, and ready for your very next step. If you don't get the lesson, you are going to have to repeat it again. Mm. It's going to show up again. Mm. Yeah, but if you that, can get the lesson, it's the preparation. Yeah. It's the catalyst that is going to move you yep. to the next level because you will need that lesson at the next level. And if you don't get it, then you, you have to stay at the same level. It's like playing you know, the little video games. Until you can 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 get the things mm. conquered at that level, you can't go to the next level. Right. You you got to get that, and then you can go to the next one. Mm. Oh, Myra, that is so good. That is so good. <laughs> she said, she said mm, mm, "That one was good." Mm, mm. <laughs> it's so funny. I uh, <laughs> I've I've gotten that. So I <laughs> this is a quick aside. And then I'm, when I I've been to Kenya three times, and the Kenyans. Mm-hmm. Um, I have I I consider them my second family. There's a group that mm-hmm. I've been there and served with uh, multiple times, and uh, but one of the things that they do that I love is as as they are talking and they listen to each other, they all mm-hmm. in unison go. Mm. Mm, okay. Yes. Mm. Like they all uh-huh. like, agree, and like it's we like, get it. yes, we get it. Like, mm, amen, amen. Like you know, mm-hmm. and I love that. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny because like I, I'm like I'm I'm bringing that home. Yes, because it makes you feel so like yeah, okay, I'm saying I'm saying the right thing. <laughs> right. Yes. Like I got it. Affirming. Got it. You're affirming. Uh, mm-hmm. Myra, I could legitimately talk to you all day. Um, yes. I think that that is a great place to end because that was just such a a wonderful and just so tangible takeaway for so many people, because that is something that I just see that we all struggle with. We, so mm-hmm. many people struggle with this and I just, I can't thank you enough for just sharing your experience and your wisdom. And 
I, I'm just going to have to have you back on the show another time because I <laughs> I have so many other questions I would love to awesome. ask you. But you I are would just, love to. You are amazing. You are uh, just thank you for all that you do. And uh, thank you for being my guest today. I had so much fun talking with you. My pleasure. Absolutely. Gosh, don't you guys wish you could just hang out with Myra all day? I know I do. I could have truly talked to her all afternoon. And I loved hearing her story, and I just felt so encouraged. And especially for those of you who are in the corporate world and just the whole idea of being a corpreneur and and just digging deep right where you are, right where you're placed, and, and living into that passion and that purpose, it was just so encouraging for me. Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening this week. Be sure to find Myra on social media, and I'll have all of her links in the show notes. Send her a little note and just tell her how much you loved this episode in addition to sharing the show with a friend. Thank you guys so much for your support and we'll see you guys next week. Bye.